Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. ES Audio. From the Evening Standard in London, I'm Rochelle Travers and this is The Leader. Tributes are continuing to pour in for the much-loved TV and radio star Paul O'Grady, who has died at the age of 67. Now this grill business, when I heard you'd taken your grill, I thought they were talking about a George Foreman. <laughs> <laughs> I did, because I didn't know. I thought, oh, maybe you don't like the cooking over there. You know, a bit of sausage and bacon in your bedroom. I'm up. Crawling on me belly like a reptile and saying thank you because I friggin' deserve this. I the Queen Consort said she was deeply saddened and his warm heart and infectious humour lit up the lives of so many. ITV presenter Lorraine Kelly said O'Grady was funny, fearless, brave, kind, and wise. In a post on Instagram, musician Sir Elton John highlighted Paul's campaign work for LGBTQ rights saying, thank you for all the joy you brought to the world, Paul. You went places nobody had gone before, and we will miss you very much. Here to talk about Paul O'Grady's incredible rise to fame and career is Robert Dex, the Evening Standards arts correspondent. It was announced in the, in the wee small hours this morning that he died very suddenly last night. Um, beyond that, we don't know a great deal. I mean, he'd always been quite open about having fairly serious health problems. I think he'd had several heart attacks going, I mean, he was only 67, but he'd had several heart attacks going back sort of 20 odd years. And he got COVID recently. And and again, in a very polar grady way, said it nearly finished him off. So I think his health probably hadn't been great for a while, but, you know, we, we don't know the details, to be honest. Let's look back at his incredible career now. How did Paul rise to fame? There's a brilliant list of the jobs he did that I think we should read out. So he worked behind the bar. He worked for the DHSS. Um, he was a clerk at Liverpool Magistrates Court. He was a social worker in, in Camden Town. Um, he worked in Yates's Wine Lodge, apparently. Um, he was an accountant in an abattoir. And those things sound nothing to do with the amazing career. But actually, I think that's really the reason he was so successful, because he'd lived a bit of a life before he did all this. And I think that came through in his act. I mean, he was still working as a social worker in Camden, where you can imagine having to deal with some pretty serious stuff and some really heartbreaking stuff when he started doing his drug act. It, I think he sort of tried a few different things and, and sort of worked in like holiday resorts over in Spain and did all the gay bars in in London and Liverpool till it sort of affected that really savage persona, that sort of foul mouth woman that he, I think was partly based on his own mum, I think. Obviously, it was one of those things, he, he, he worked the clubs, got bigger and bigger and bigger. It's a very old-fashioned way into into fame, really. It, it's, it's like an old-school comedian way. But yeah, no, I mean, he worked his way up from the bottom, basically. I mean, he was just very, very sharp, very, very funny, brilliant comic timing, the sort of sharpness and comic timing that comes from working in clubs and pubs where 
you're either being ignored on stage or you're being barracked by the audience and you learn to deal with it. And then, you know, you start getting TV appearances. He was a natural on TV. I mean, it's a funny thing to say, but one of the hardest things on TV is to just be yourself. And ironically, he was being somebody else, Lily Savage. But he was very comfortable on TV as either Lily or as himself. And it was probably inevitable that he ended up sort of doing, I mean, people call it light entertainment, stuff like hosting Blankety Blank. And, you know, he had a show on Radio 2. But stuff like that is very, very hard to do effortlessly. And he, and he did it effortlessly. Obviously, we have to talk about Lily Savage. How groundbreaking was that character for British drag? I think it sort of depends how old you are, which might sound like a silly a silly answer. Lots of people have said how groundbreaking it was. I mean, I grew up watching telly in the 80s where men dressed as women making smutty gags probably wasn't that unusual. It is a tradition that, you know, it's not just arrived out of nowhere. But what he got, he became massive. I, I'm sure he, he watered down his act and, and his language slightly to, you know, to get on TV before the watershed. But the difference he was, was he was massively visible while still being a, a drag act. He was massively visible while still being sort of political. And he was he was on daytime TV. You know, there's, there's clips being shared online of him on This Morning with Richard and Judy, watched by, you know, X millions of people at past 11 in the morning. And, and that, that was the trick. He brought it into daytime TV. What are some of the other highlights of his career? I actually think the big thing was when he got his chat show, because it wasn't Lily really Savage, it was Paul O'Grady. And having risen up his career you know doing that one act as a as a, as a character a very particular character a very recognizable character to have enough in his locker to then actually come out and do a show as himself is quite a big deal do you know what i mean because it would have been very easy just to keep the wig on the high heels and, and do the act over and over again but, but it turned out that he was a, a naturalist himself as well and that he was funny he was sharp he was good with guests in, in the way that people often are, he was sort of behind the aggressive comedy acts and, and, and the sort of fairly biting wit. He was obviously a bit of a softy. I mean, from where he started to where he ended up presenting a show about dogs on, IT, on ITV, you know, mainstream TV. But he was obviously just a, a very nice, warm, genuine person who talked about things he cared about. It, it's quite surreal. But um, yeah, I mean, a heck of a career, a heck of a career. He was also known for charity and campaigning work. What are some of the causes that were close to his heart? Well, I mean, we've had one of the very first tributes we got was from Batsy Dogs and Cats Home saying that, you know, how much they're going to miss him. And he'd sort of, in a weird way, become the public face of it. He talked about it so much. Um, he, he was always there. So they're going to miss him massively. Um, but then you could say, you know, the, the, the other end of the scale, if you like, um, having a tribute from Peter Tatchell. Uh, now, Peter Tatchell is basically a one-man gay rights campaign machine. And again, I mean, it's not something I knew. He said that, I mean, the work he does is funded by people who help him. And one of those people who helped him was, was Paul O'Grady, who, as far as I can tell, never shouted about it or really told anyone, but very quietly helped fund the work Peter Tatchell does. And finally, how do you think he'll be remembered? With a great deal of affection, I think that's already clear. He'd, he'd become one of those people that was part of the furniture, wasn't he? he? You know, whether it was on TV or or popping up on the radio, the minute you heard his voice, he had a very distinctive voice and a distinctive approach. You knew, you know, you didn't have to think, oh, who's that talking? You knew exactly who it was. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. It'd be one of those things that as, as the tributes come out and as more people hear about his death that we'll hear some stories about his you know his, his generosity and his his character and, and what a warm clearly decent guy he was 
Let's go to the ads. Stay there to hear from Battersea Dogs and Cats Home about Paul O'Grady's impact and what it was like filming for the love of dogs with the TV icon. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Welcome back. One of Paul O'Grady's big hits was For the Love of Dogs on ITV. This is how I wake up. <laughs> I don't want a bunny or a kitty. Why do they always sit on me? I don't want a parrot that talks. Joining me now is Battersea Dogs and Cats Home's Head of Canine Behaviour, Ali Taylor. Oh yeah, I remember when I first met him. Paul has just been a complete and utter hoot since he um, worked with Battersea. He's not only is he fun and he's so approachable, you know, with the staff and even people that were coming in, but you could see that genuine love for dogs. You would be talking to him for a couple of minutes and he would have disappeared because he would have spotted a dog that he's fallen in love with time and time again. I first met him when he came in, being introduced to do this at the programme for the Love of Dogs. And to be honest, we never expected it to be such a hit. We thought it would be like a one series and that was it. But everyone just got on board with it. And, you know, the public just absolutely loved it and loved him. How much of an impact has Paul had on Battersea? Paul has had such an effect on Battersea, the support that we get. And for me, I think it's just making people aware about rescue animals and the followers that we have as a result of Paul. Um, You know, this is all Paul's doing. And I think what he managed to do was show the public and people, you know, just some of the work that we do. Because prior to that, I think people used to just think, you know, we brought animals in and just rehomed them. But you've just seen so much more with the help from him. Do you have a favourite memory with him? I have too many funny moments with um, Paul. Actually, every time I think about him, I just sort of like in my head, I just laugh. It's honestly just so many things. There was a time when a dog managed to throw up on him, which made him sick. So we were just constantly laughing over that. I actually did Coronation Street with him and that was just me following him around and him going um, into the cafe and the Rovers pretending he was serving me drinks. Just so many really good memories. He just made... You just made filming with him just so much fun and you just didn't know what to expect. He was up front. He just said what he, you know, what he felt he needed to say. And I think the other remarkable thing about him was he'd just speak to anyone. I, he actually did nearly make me wee once <laughs> because he was just, everything went wrong in the shoot. Um, and it's just, 
you know when you just laugh and you can't stop laughing and you're just crying with laughter that's how most of our shoots went and we would have to keep repeating them over and over again you know it would be like the tenth time and people would be getting like really annoyed with us but yeah everything about him was just great he just yeah he was just just yeah I'd, I'd like to say a good friend as well what do you think his legacy will be for me, I think his legacy will be not just Battersea. It's just everything that he did, rescue and other animals, and actually just making people smile. And for me, about being real, but obviously we'll always miss him in the dog rescue world. You can read more about Paul O'Grady's life and career on our website, standard.co.uk. And that's it from The Leader. This podcast is back tomorrow at 4pm. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.